Welcome in, welcome in. If you have not seen this movie, you probably shouldn't be here. But with that said, let's review Nightcrawler. This is the directorial debut by Dan Gilroy. This is his first movie. Despite the other two films that he's made since Nightcrawler, they have been nowhere near as good as this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal, to have taken this role at all, makes me see into how his mind works a little bit. He saw something in Lou Bloom and even thought, I need to lose 40 pounds for this role to make this dude come off as a wolf. He tried to resemble a wolf in this movie, which is the perfect description for his character, Lou Bloom. Not a shark, not a tiger, he's a wolf. He will take out competition or enemies in complete stealth, but ultimately cowardice too. Predators are cowards. Stabbing somebody in the back is not heroic. It's devilish and it's all Lou Bloom does. Riz Ahmed plays a character in this movie with such innocence that it breaks my heart throughout the movie. You know, my, my heart gets broken several times over watching him be verbally pummeled by Lou Bloom, who is in charge. For then what occurs at the end to take place, we've kind of been prepared for because we understand that this is the type of person Lou is, and he would take advantage of this this other type of person. It's the wolf tearing into a pig for lunch. It's a coyote in a in a hen house, selecting the easiest hen. Rene Russo plays a very independent woman falling victim to Lou, because she also falls, falls victim to the desperation in her own job. Lou is intelligent enough to map out her past career and threaten her future if she does not comply with his very off-color demands. She ends up admiring Lou so much that she's delusional as to the integrity of the industry. She'll put violence and gore on the screen over some lesser engaging news story because it's, it's not as popular. She's like Lou, but she's not as corrupt. Bill Paxton plays a phenomenal role as a professional nightcrawler who's in it for the money and the fame which Lou can relate to, however, they go about finding their goal um, in a much, much different way from one another, you know. Their strategies would collide if they worked together. Joe, Bill's character, is about expanding his company and monopolizing the industry, but Lou wants to manipulate the industry to favor himself. Joe is nowhere near as corrupt as Lou, which is why he never sees the threat coming. When his van's uh, brake lines are snipped by Lou, he never sees it coming. This movie follows what Breaking Bad started in creating a story around an anti-hero. One could argue that the, that the S.H.I.E.L.D. even began this trend, this trend years prior, with Vic Mackey being a police officer anti-hero who murders other by-the-book cops. Lou Bloom starts off as a total villain, though and only grows into more of a villain. When do we ever see that in a movie where the person we are following for the movie is the villain of the story? That does not happen happen in traditional storytelling. Usually it's at least an anti-hero. 
We never see him as good. That's the bravery of this movie where we follow the bad guy for the entirety of the runtime, and he gets away with it in the end, only to have a bigger crew than when he first started. And apparently he's monopolized the industry within the city now by the end. It's hard to depict what the message is because of the ending. What's the message behind this movie? Evil prevails in this movie and it's almost like the story's unfinished. Lou hasn't paid for any of his actions yet. He suffered no consequences for his actions. But since there won't be a second movie, a sequel to this, what's the takeaway from Nightcrawler? I don't know yet. I don't believe that the message is inherently evil, so there must be some message about good versus evil in the world, and people's desire for fame and power can overshadow any morals that they have. It makes them an uncaught criminal, which Lou literally is, and he goes free at the end of the movie. That's like un unlike anything we've ever seen before. That is all I ask from my movies. Show me something that I have never seen before. In terms of story, plot, dialogue, acting, editing, just be unique. Don't copy people prior. Don't be cliche. Be your own entity inside that genre. So involved in this movie, there's Tony Gilroy, Dan Gilroy, and another Gilroy. I, I missed his name. So this is a family effort. Jake Gyllenhaal produced this movie. We have a wild introduction to Lou Bloom, the character, in the middle of a heist of some sort. And he attacks the security guard within the first few minutes. And how that combines with the, with the train passing by so nobody could hear the struggle going on. How he takes the guard down is so chaotic and un, unnatural. It's like a wild predator instead of like a martial artist. Something that Lou has been doing is uh, stealing for his money stealing manhole covers and chain link fences to sell them per the pound. So he goes and he tries to sell to this construction foreman. In that conversation, he switches persona. This dude is like a shapeshifter. He walks, to, he, he gets a no answer from the foreman. There's a little bit of a lull, a pause in the conversation and Lou just walks to the other side of the desk and almost he's a new person now. And he goes, um, excuse me, sir, you can see He's trying a new tactic. He's beginning a whole new spiel, a new persona, a new tactic. Brilliant writing and acting. Lou's reaction to the foreman's stern statement, I'm not hiring a f***ing thief. It clicks something with Lou. I think he's slightly offended, but he understands, oh, of course, why would you hire a thief? You know I'm a thief. So never mind. And Lou does this as he walks out. That's the first learning and moment of growth in Lou that we see. On his way home, cops pass him by as he's driving, and he, and he happens upon a, a violent accident on the highway. He pulls over, becomes immediately engaged in, in what's happening, in the chaos that's been created by authorities attending to this, to this car accident. A night-crawling van. This is a real, a real job that people have. It's called night crawling. People go out, they film accidents, and they sell the footage to the news. That's how they make their money. A night crawling van pulls up right after Lou exits his own vehicle, and he sees them filming the, the violent crash. Fire, the car's exploding, people are crying, but people are filming it, too. 
and a light bulb goes off in Lou's mind. Oh, this is a job. He doesn't even see the graphic imagery of the scene. He's watching the guys holding the camera. Even though there's people with limbs missing on the ground and stuff, he's like watching the camera. So he starts asking them questions while they work, and they find it obnoxious. They have to explain their job to an obvious outsider. He wants a job. They reject him. Lou handles it well on the surface, but you know it hurts him deeply to be immediately rejected like that. And, and there's more to come later in that Lou's place, his home, is pristine, simple. He's a minimalist, probably because he doesn't have very much. It's probably not a philosophy of his. Things are perfectly placed. Lou watches the news the next following morning. The same footage he watched being filmed from the night before is playing on TV. His wheels start turning. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can get a camera. Why can't I get a camera? So he steals a bike because he's good at that. And he pawns it off to buy a camera. So now how he bullshits his way through explaining the, the bike to the pawn shop owner is incredible. Because he sounds so believable, but we know he just stole the bike, so he knows nothing about it. Every every fact he's saying about this, you know, this being a 10-speed bike, I won it in the Tour de France. It, you know, it, it's all fake. This, this should be our first assumption, but later we see that Lou speaks directly out of his ass. Every, every time he opens his mouth, almost every time, he is speaking a lie. And we know it's a lie while he's saying it, even when the character he's speaking to doesn't. Sometimes he lets his true emotions slip through the cracks, though. And that is for us, the audience, to see. Lou is now filming a bunch of different, like in a montage, a bunch of different crime scenes, you know, to sell to the news. Lou compares his camera to the next guy's camera that's much more professional and experienced. So he, he decides to get a better angle than the guy with the better camera can get to compensate for the fact that he himself has a little dinky camera. A cop shuts them both down, says, back up, get away. So the footage that they are trying to get is cut short. Lou follows the guy back to his car. Inconspicuously, the guy is on the phone with a news station he doesn't know that Lou is following him. But Lou is listening to the guy's conversation, learning more about the industry, of how to negotiate, how to sell to these news stations. Another very big moment for Lou is we get more in insight into the world and business of Nightcrawling through Lou's eyes. We're learning right alongside Lou. We know he's corrupt, but his wonder and awe of this whole new industry that he didn't know was a part of news culture he wants in on it, and we're curious with him. Renee Russo, she owns, she's, you know, the director of the news company. Lou starts haggling with her on prices because he thinks his footage that he's getting to sell them is more than it's really worth, and it's not. He lures her in by piquing her interest and then threatening to walk out. But given her position, she can't resist passing up. She, she can't even afford passing up good footage. Each scene... Each scene, Lou learns new information. It's brilliantly written. That should be the point of a scene when following a main character, is you're learning with it. The next morning, Lou watches his own footage being shown on TV, on the, on the news that he filmed. It's extremely cathartic for him. He saves every bit of footage like a trophy that a serial killer keeps from the people he murders. Lou is not far off from, from that. 
glimpses into Lou's home life. It's sad, it's lonely, and it's weird. His sense of humor is messed up. We get that, we, we see that in one brief scene. This is where Rick enters the story. Riz Ahmed plays Rick, who is a down-on-his-luck dude going to interview for this job. The interview itself is awkward, heartbreaking, and self-reporting. Self-revealing -re for the both of them, Lou and Rick. Lou is a loser pretending not to be. And Rick is a loser kind of accepting and admitting the fact that he is. That's their biggest difference, is they're on the same level. Since only one of them believes that he's higher, they both think that, that Lou is higher. But as we, as we come to see, Rick has always been a much, a much more higher, higher person on a moral ground. I would rather have an empty wallet than have my morals be corrupted. Lou asks him in, in the interview, he asks Rick, are you homeless? Rick says, yeah. Lou says, do you trick? Rick says, work the street? No, I'm straight. Lou says, plenty of straight guys trick. But he twitches when he says that. I don't know if it's part of the performance or not. He goes, um, plenty of straight guys trick. That, to me, I think that's a choice of performance by Jake Gyllenhaal to show that Lou Bloom lives so simply and is stealing items like manhole covers to make his money that he himself may have spent a fair amount of time tricking for money on the streets of Los Angeles. He may pre be projecting what he's done in his own past onto Rick, and Rick's like, no, I don't do that. He ends up negotiating and hiring Rick. This is the beginning of the end of Rick's life. He has no clue what he has just agreed to. It's one of the saddest arcs I've ever seen in recent films, where you just know that it's not going to end good for this guy, for this very innocent character. Their first night together, they are late to their first big call. They sit and they listen to the radio, you know, the police scanner, and when there's a, when there's a big call, they go to it and they're late their first time. Luke gets made fun of by other nightcrawlers for his small cameras and the fact that they were late. Lou and Rick argue for their first time, and Lou doesn't like that Rick is standing his ground, signaling how toxic Lou really is to himself. So many things go wrong that night, which only propels Lou forward to crush the competition that he has in the other Nightcrawlers in whatever means necessary. Their next few calls the same night goes well. They get plenty of footage, Lou manipulates his first crime scene, and this is where he crosses the line into illegality. His actions are unethical from here on out, and illegal. Basically, he, there's a crime scene inside a home, and Lou, with his camera, sneaks into the house and gets footage when he is definitely not supposed to be doing that. Nina, back at the news station, buying the footage from Lou, she backs up his unethical side of this journalism, and they decide to air the footage, even though it's illegal. Nina doesn't know what she's agreeing to, or what she's enabling. Turning a blind eye on her side propels Lou forward as well, because now he's just clicked, oh, I can break the law, get footage that I need, and sell it for really expensive prices? Well, that's my money right there. I love this bit of foreshadowing. Lou's very passionate take walking up to Nina in this one long take monologue 
it's foreshadowing the decline of their relationship because Lou has another one-take monologue that he's walking up to Nina later on in the movie that's in a much different light, in much different attitude. The music intensifies and introduces more bass and percussion in the various montages throughout the movie. Each montage is more intense than the last to signify the passage of time, but also to signify Lou's new intake of information and growth in the business that he's creating, saving clip after clip, filming case after case and getting it to the news, selling it to the news. The montage ends. Lou has a brand new car. Meanwhile, Rick says that, dude, I'm sleeping on the floor in a garage. Meanwhile, you're buying new cars. Their, their agreement when Rick was first hired was 30 bucks a night. So if they're doing five nights a week, that's not very much. It's Dodge Charger, bright red, a thousand times better than his last car. Lou has clearly advanced quickly through his constant, consistent night crawling. Rick is going along, but he's progressively being treated worse and threatened by Lou. So then it comes to the scene that Lou moves his first dead body to manipulate the, the footage, manipulate the crime scene for his better footage. This is worse, much worse than sneaking into a home, flipping some photos around and taking footage. He makes a big no-no here and commits straight obstruction of justice or tampering with evidence, whatever it would be called. And he isn't caught for it. So that right there is a re reward to him to keep going. Joe approaches Lou later on and he wants to team up and make the biggest night crawling business Los Angeles has ever seen. But Lou is content doing what he's doing. He doesn't need to grow. Joe is dying to grow. Their conversation ends with Lou saying, I feel like grabbing you by your ears right now and screaming in your face, I'm not interested. But instead, I'm going to go home and do some accounting. <laughs> so that's a big no. He just said no to Joe. After this, Lou takes Nina out on a date and tries flirting with her. But she tries every which way to keep it friendly, casual, and platonic. That's all she's agreed to with this dinner with Lou. Only he starts to show his true intentions behind taking her out. He even threatens her career. She, she now understands more of who Lou is the more that he talks. The more cringe and cringe it becomes. Because we know that he's serious. And we cannot believe that he's figured out all of this and he's bringing it to the front. Nina is so off guard she can't even respond. So she waves herself to cool off like woo! Lou ends up blackmailing Nina to sleep with her by threatening her job and to stop selling to her. In which case, she would lose her job. And that's explained. I, I don't want to explain it here. But that's messed up. Nina negotiates with more money. You know, a better position. But Lou only wants one thing. He goes, you're not listening, Nina. I want intimacy with a woman. And I want it to be you. The only ways he knows how to get a girl is to find leverage for it. I found all your weak points and I'm going to press them until I get what I want. 
that is the type of person that Lou is. Nobody expects him to be that sinister, which is why they never see him coming. When he, tur when he turns on them like that, on Rick, on Nina, on Joe, they never saw it coming. People like Lou Bloom are super rare. After being scolded by Nina for not delivering on his side of the deal, this is after the dinner, after they've slept together, Lou can't get the footage that he promised her to, for her to keep her job. So now she's thinking, well, I just slept with you on this promise you gave me that you're not delivering on, so she screams at him. I like that they don't show anything. They don't show anything that happened between two of them in a bedroom. They just allude to it through dialogue. I'm, I'm very happy with that decision. Because from the sounds of it, it was a very unpleasant time for the both of them. This is when Lou cuts the brake lines to Joe's news van. Later that night, they're listening to the police scanner. Lou is waiting to hear about Joe's news van. The call finally comes in. They rush to the scene. Rick puts his camera down and he goes, Oh, dude, don't film him. He's one of us. And Lou goes, No, dude. He's just a sale. They pull Joe out of his van on a stretcher. He's like, Oh, you know, just all mangled from the car accident. And then we get that shot of Lou standing over him, filming him. And there's just a couple shots of eye contact between the two that says everything you need to know about what they think about each other. Lou is saying, I'm the new guy in town, but I'm also the only guy in town. Cut from that scene to crazy percussion, like Mad Max level percussion on a shot, a beautiful, the best shot in the whole movie. That is, they're on the highway and it's a crane that comes down below Films the license plate, goes alongside them, and goes around to the front license plate. It's such an incredible shot. In this particular scene, it's such a barbaric soundtrack to be playing. And what they do in this whole movie is every song or every soundtrack that plays is supposed to represent Lou Bloom's mindset in that moment. And the music is supposed to be his internal monologue, which is beautiful. Not the internal monologue, that's not beautiful, but what the filmmakers did with the music, that part's beautiful. Lou appears on his first crime scene where the perpetrators haven't left yet. Lou films them as they leave. He ducks behind some bushes and films them. There was just a shooting that happened. So this gives Lou the idea to manipulate more than just the crime scene for the footage. Now he has power to, to manipulate the situation. He can oversee and play puppets with the police officers in relation to these perpetrators. He, this is a real position of power, which is exactly what Lou's been looking for this whole time, is a position of power. He only gives the police officers half of the footage that he filmed. He follows the perpetrators to a location. He calls the cops, withholding very important information from them and their investigation. The police would need to prove this, however. They come questioning Lou on all of this, highly suspicious of him. Lou's plan is now to lure dangerous criminals to a location, call the cops on them 
because he knows it's a populated area and he wants a shootout to go down so he can film it. And this is, this is the part of this movie that I've never seen anything like this type of storytelling because Lou Bloom and the movie tells you what is going to happen. They tell you what is going to happen in the third act of this movie. When does that ever happen in a thriller? Usually they keep you guessing and you're not in on the joke or the story or the plot, not the joke, but then other things happen and roll credits. No. So because Lou is manipulating the situation, we as the audience members have to sit there and watch it happen. <gasps> That's his plan? <laughs> it's horrible. Like, oh my gosh, it's really happening the way that he said. This is one of those movies that lays out the plot for you and excites you to watch it play out. It's not a guessing game. You put it all together, everything in Lou's mind before he does it. It is the storytelling aspect of this movie that I love because I've met a lot of people <laughs> who have seen this movie and they're not really in it for the storytelling aspect. They just watch the movie itself. And then they go, you like that movie? It's messed up. And I go, yeah, yeah, it's totally messed up. But look how he told the story. You know, Rabbit Trail, I remember telling a friend in film school, I will watch any biography movie that comes comes my way. And he goes, just because it's a biography doesn't mean it's told well. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's totally true, actually. Biogra a biography could be told super poorly, yeah. So, coming back from the Rabbit Trail now. <laughs> Lou and Rick get into one of their final discussions, which is about money. Rick pulls a negotiating tactic on Lou that is one of Lou's negotiating tactics. <laughs> and he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that somebody used one of his own venomous tactics against him. When Lou wants Rick to get out of the car and film him from a, film the situation from a different angle, Luke, Luke, uh, uh, Rick says no. No, I'm not gonna do that. That's messed up. This is illegal. And Lou so calmly says, what if I'm obliged to hurt you for saying no? Like, I will hurt you if you don't do this physically. And Rick complies reluctantly, of course. Knowing what's gonna happen in this case enhances the experience of watching it all play out because it gets wild. You know, shootout, chase scene, another shootout, Rick and Lou are there filming it all go down because they set all of it up. It's like a reality show or the Truman Show where nobody knows that they're being filmed, but Lou and Rick are the guys who literally put up, you know, set up the whole situation. Lou says to Rick, hey, um, come film this guy. You know, one of the bad guys, Vans flipped over and he goes, hey, come film this guy. Rick gets all set up, not even realizing that the guy's still alive, and he shoots Rick and kills him. You know, the cops come, they put an end to this guy who, was, who just shot Rick, and then Lou is the last man standing. And his interaction with Rick as he dies on the, on the cold pavement is shows us just how crazy Lou is. People will only see how crazy Lou is as they're dying. But Nina falls madly in love with Lou by the end because she's been entranced by Lou's charm or his, or his confidence and his drive. 
Lou then becomes an integral part of the news company and is now the highest valued nightcrawler in Los Angeles. He never suffers consequences from his actions, which is the most ambitious part of this movie. It broke the rules and followed a villain for the whole runtime, praising his success in the end, kind of. How bizarre is that? I find that aspect of this movie to be wild. And I kind of need there to be a sequel, you know, to finish the story. And to what would the consequences be for Lou Bloom? How would he get found out? I'm so interested. And again, I've just never seen anything like this movie before. If you have seen this and like it or dislike it, the movie I'm talking about, uh, please share. But I love this movie. It is my top favorite movie ever. I watch it probably once a year and it's usually with somebody new. Like, dude, check this out, man. But I think that is my review. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please stay tuned, follow along on Letterboxd, and let's review some freaking movies this year, man. Alright, peace guys, thank you.